Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Previously on Rabbit and Red Radio. Yeah, I, I have uh, way back um, for some charity. Uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, Fright Rags had uh, custom posters made for both uh, Before the Mask and Hatchet. And they were signed by the killers. So I have the uh, Behind the Mask with... Uh, um, Nathan's Nathan Bezel Bezel is that it Bezel, Bezel. I Bezel. I couldn't remember how to pronounce the last name with his signature on it uh, because back then mm-hmm. I preferred that over Hatchet. Wow! And I did not buy the Hatchet one, which I still wow. to this day kind of regret. Cause that's a badass poster. Wow! You actually preferred something over Hatchet? Holy fuck! I still wow. do. There are plenty that I over Hatchet. I just enjoy Hatchet. What I am. Amazed. I mean, when we're sitting down and talking about film to film, Annabelle Creation's better than Hatchet. Oh my god. Yo, what? Oh. I mean, I, 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 I am blown away by that Annabelle Creation. I was, uh, I finished it and looked for the 4K version because, like, I need to own this. Dude, I. I saw it twice in the theater. I told you that. Uh, uh, I will freely admit this was like the second movie I was consciously like, don't look at my phone. Mm-hmm. It was getting uncomfortable in that third act where it's just kind of like, I kind of want to break the tension and just look at my phone. Like, holy fuck. I'm very surprised by that. Wow. <laughs> I thought it was incredibly well done. Well, there you have it, and now we'll start the show. Kids playing pranks, trick-or-treating, parking, getting high. I have the feeling that you're way off on this. You have the wrong feeling. Well, you're not doing very much to prove me wrong. What more do you need? Well, it's going to take more than fancy talk to keep me up all night crawling around these bushes. I, I, I watched him for 15 years, sitting in a room, staring at a wall, not seeing the wall. 
looking past the wall, looking at this night in humanly patient, waiting for some secret silent alarm to trigger him off. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it or you can help me to stop it. Welcome to Rabbit in Red Radio. I am John Rhodes and the giggling buffoon with me that I still haven't quite figured out why I'm keeping around is what some people call Michael J. All right, so... So... Okay. Oh god, you're actually going to talk now? <laughs> Why must you subject our listeners to the idiocy that spills out of your cockhole? Okay, well, actually it's not out of my cockhole, but... so here... No, it, it, it is, because that's where the cocks go, Mike. Okay, so here's the deal. Do you remember how I told you that I ordered from Best Buy that that double feature thing 
Right. That has um, a house on the edge of the park and last house on Massacre Street. Yep. And it has that option to view the movies as if you were watching them at the drive-in for, yes. you know, yes. at that yes. the time period. Well, uh, I had heard before that there was another double feature out in the same vein as the um, the one that I got, The House on the Edge so of the So set up the same way. Correct. And this double feature I may have to purchase as well. Um, what is it? It is Chaos and Don't Look in the Basement. Oh, very nice. Uh, don't you already own Don't Look in the Basement? Uh, do you know how many times I've double dipped on titles? Don't you already own Chaos? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Well, then it's actually, totally worth Cha- it. Chaos, I believe, is... Let me see. Chaos, I believe, is a newer movie. Um, It's not like an older film. I think it's newer, but it's shot, you know, like it's an older movie. It's meant to be retro. Correct. And, um, let's see. In retrospect of the 70s drive and error comes two houses of hell double feature. The box office opens at 7 p.m. And the first feature, Don't Look in the Basement, 1973, starts at dusk. Following the nostalgic 10-minute drive-in intermission, clock comes to our main feature, Chaos, from 2005, the most brutal film ever released. Starring Kevin, <sighs> starring Kevin Gage, and Sage Stallone. Play drive-in mode to experience the entire show. Special features: watch both films in drive-in theater mode with ads. The good old drive-in way. So, this just reminds me. Did you ever get your copy of The Barn? Um. Because you ordered a copy. Uh, no, I have a DVD copy. I do not have a Why? Blu-ray copy. Why did you get a DVD? Well, because that was I got the DVD before the Blu-ray was available. Uh, so it's time to double dip then. At some point, possibly. Oh my god, fuck you. You know how Amazon has like a, a, a recommended browser thing where... Right. Like recommend Did you see a giant dildo? No, 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 not at all. I, I Anal beads? No, I, I wouldn't be scared by those. Um, now you'd be enticed. Maybe. Um, no, there was an, an Arrow movie called Scalpel, and on the um, packaging was a gentleman in bandages. You know, we really should look into that phobia of yours sometime. Um... I, I, I think now I, I've figured it out. When I come to pick you up, um, I'm either going to show up in bandages no, or with a Michael Myers mask on. No. Do you think at the wedding – oh, no. You you wouldn't have the whole wedding party in bandages, would you? Because I wouldn't be able to look. No. Okay, no. Good. Good. I think that would be bad for photographs. Well, I mean, you know, you guys could unwrap each other. Or no, you could save that for the wedding night. Yeah. Unwrap. <laughs> Unwrap it. Yeah. 
So yeah, I think that I think that's the plan. When I show up to pick you up, Michael J, either bandages, which oh, would God. be cheaper, or a Halloween mask, Michael Myers. Well, I have a Halloween mask I can loan you. And even if you were in the Halloween mask, I'm I'm not really scared of the mask anymore. So that would not work. So what you're saying is show up in full cosplay with a knife and then pull the mask off to be covered in bandages. If you were to do that, I would probably piss and shit my pants. <laughs> in 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 unison, not like, you know, at the same time. So, Mike, I, I think that since this is such a, a momentous occasion. This is momentous. What's a, what's momentous about this? Well, not this per se, but. Oh, shit. You're right. We have. um, What the fuck is his name coming in here in a little bit? Um, Glosser. Scott Glosserman. Scott. Yeah, Glosser Scott. Scott. Glo- that's it. Scott Glosserman. Yes. Well, there is that, and uh, that should be quite entertaining. Yes. But no, I was actually talking about once we get together. I, I think I think we we need to do something to mark the occasion. Well, besides watching Halloween in theaters. Um. Well, wait a minute. 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 Wait. You're picking me up for the wedding. Yes. Okay. Well, then how the hell are we going to watch Halloween in theaters if I'm going to a wedding? Well, I'm gonna pick you up a little bit early, Michael. So we have a so you have a date set for the wedding already. You didn't even tell me that. Uh we do not. Um, we have uh, narrowed it down to October, possibly this October. Possibly. So it's not even <laughs> definite yet. But it's not even a definite yet, fucker. <laughs> if it is not Halloween, I say that while staying at the Rhodes residence or my cabin in the woods, however you like to say it. Wait a minute, you're telling me I'm going to have to be out in the middle of Bumblefuck? Bumblefuck, man. Dude, but you don't have Wi-Fi. I I do have Wi-Fi, it's just not good Wi-Fi. My data's going to be fucked up. (laughs) I don't have unlimited data. Oh, don't worry, you will have no cell service. Oh, God. You could kill me. And there's and... no Wawa's. No? Where am I going to no. get coffee? And you won't be able to order food to come to the house. But I need coffee and I need food. I'm a hungry fat pig. Yeah, there's there's no delivery out here. So how do you eat? Uh, you either make it or go pick it up. Who the fuck wants to make food that's boring? <laughs> but I'm thinking on... Uh... Is it expensive? Like to go pick up food out there? How much? What do you? What do you have to eat out there? Do you have Wendy's, Burger King, McDonald's? Oh, of um, course. Okay, good. Um, do they have? Oh wait, well they won't have Shamrock Shakes at the time of year. Fuck. But they no, have, no, they have, they it, have coffee. Do they have breakfast all day? No, I I don't know. So I don't really like, eat breakfast. Because yeah, but here you can go to a McDonald's here, and I can I, order a sausage biscuit at midnight. I, I have no idea, Michael. I, I have not been to a, a McDonald's in sausage years. Sausage McGriddle at midnight. I could order a, let's see, what other breakfast foods do I enjoy? I could get a hash brown for dinner. Cool. I could get Like I said, I haven't been to McDonald's in years. Do you have diners? Yes. Let's see, do you have IHOP? Oh, uh, no. No, I do not, actually. You fuck facers. Yeah, fuck um, you. Anyway. 
Okay. I'm thinking we need to watch Halloween 6 on the big screen, 4K. Well, obviously it won't be 4K, but on my big 4K TV. I've already done it, so yes, I know. I'm just saying. The producer's cut, yes. I will suffer through that. Oh, yes. But the second main feature needs to be The Evil Dead. Um, which version? Because you have a few. Uh, the original unenhanced version. So the thorny MI VHS. Uh, maybe actually. Ooh, now see, I could get all over that. Yeah, I, I might break that out. That would be retro. And then we should we should do a Facebook Live video while we're. Oh wait, no, I forgot. We'll be at your house, so we can't do that. <laughs> Shit. We could. It would just be very glitchy and staticky. Hence why the lounge has kind of gone away. Which is a shame because the lounge was a good feature, and that was kind of the reason that I was a little late tonight. In a way, because I thought, well, maybe he would take this opportunity to jump on and speak to the people. But, no, fuck that. Yes. But that's what I'm thinking. You know what? I think I think we can we can take it one step farther, Mike. I think we should go get thorn tattoos. Ah. Well, this is the 30th anniversary of Camp Out Nightmare. This year is. This year. This year, yes. Wow, that's insane. 30 years since you made a shitty, low-budget, independent film. Very low-budget, yes. (laughs) Shoestring, micro-budget, if you will. Yeah, with my little black-and-white Fisher-Price camcorder, yep. 30 (laughs) years ago. 30 years ago, the dream began. Yep, and 30 years later, I had already declared it end. So... (laughs) It's unfortunate, really. Well, actually, I was thinking that would be a perfect subject for a show, but uh, Scott Glosserman agreed to do uh, an interview with us, so we're gonna we're gonna skip right past that. So, really, what what the hell has been going on, Michael? Let's let's not waste any time. Let's let's waste a little bit more time with your boring ass life that nobody gives a shit about, <clears throat> including you, know, you. Well, yeah, you know, nobody really cares <clears throat> oh i had a shamrock shake earlier yeah you probably feel like shit now after eating mcdonald's the, the phlegm is in my throat from the shamrock shake because i sucked that fucking sweet minty nectar all down my throat oh i got yourself all good and ready so when your boyfriend comes over you can suck his nectar down your throat oh. yeah. do do you still make him wear the michael myers mask um, and do you still come out in a trench coat and nothing else? No, I, I kind of reciting like, lines like your Donald Pleasance. No, I, I I thought about that for a while, but then I decided it's probably better if I just look at him in his eyes and, uh, you know, because I I want him to see what he's giving. Yeah, you're doing Donald proud. Well, I don't. I don't do bourbon. I did because bourbon is Donald's favorite drink. Favorite drink, yes. I did try to drink it once. I I couldn't. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I took. I did a shot of bourbon and I almost vomited. <laughs> and it was in the middle of a um um, like this ceremony. Um, a friend of mine was getting like an award. So I was there and I'm sitting there. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, uh, 
because uh, usually, like, um, we'll partake in drinks or I'll, you know, drink like a rum and coke or whatever, do all that shit. I said, you right. know, I said, tonight I'm going to try bourbon because I know Donald was big on bourbon. So I said, you know, I'm going to be more like Donald and I'm going to take that bourbon and I am going to fucking take it like a champ and I'm going to become a bourbon drinker because I'm going to be just like Donald. I will imitate him. It will be great. It will be the best thing ever. And you failed. I get that shot of bourbon and I try to like tilt it and put it down my throat. And let me tell you, I got a few drops in and I was just like, no, oh, oh, can't do it. So I didn't do it. I pussied out. Big time. And I will never forgive myself for that. <laughs> never. I I see myself as a disgrace for not being able to drink bourbon. Well, at least we agree on that. I am a huge disgrace, waste of space, human being. Well, on top of that epiphany, I assume nothing else is going on in your life. Not really. Um, <laughs> the 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 woman um, I'm trying to, um, she still does not want a relationship at this point. She likes to do her single thing. So I'm just. I think I think that's a sign. I don't know what the fuck it is. I think I think it's just time to move on, Mike. I was thinking about that, and I try to move on. I really do, but uh, it's hard to do, huh? Yeah, considering that, you know, when I'm all ready to move on, she'll call me and, like, want to talk to me and shit, so... Drags you back in, that bitch. Right, so then why... So it's really not my issue. I I don't have a problem moving on. She's the one that keeps calling and is like, okay, well, we're going to do that, and then uh, you can come up whenever I get the car fixed and blah, blah, whatever, and I'm like, yeah, I don't fucking know anymore. So she's just dragging you along. Yeah. Kind of. That's what it feels like. You still like paying for shit? Not so much. I just, I fucking, I was like, yeah, fuck that, buddy. Well, that's good. I mean, if she's not sending you naughty photos, I mean, come on. What are you really paying for, Michael? Yeah, I know. I know. There, there, it's no use if I don't get those photos. <laughs> uh, so all bullshit aside, uh, I do really want to thank you for... Uh, taking care of last week. Um, oh, I didn't even realize that did anything, but okay. Uh, well, the, the history of Rabbit and Rabbit oh, episode. yes. Well, I figured, you know, consistency is a thing that we haven't really had, you know, too much of with previous um, endeavors. So I figured, you know, with this, it's kind of good to try to keep us on a consistent basis so people don't forget about us. And, and you know that that's really good, and I appreciate that. You know, I was really looking forward to the the clip show, just kind of diving into the history of Rabbit and Red, and then just got a recycled old episode. Right, but the thing is, it's from the Blog Talk days, <laughs> and here's the and it's not the full it's not the full episode. And I told I told Dave of Exploding Heads this as well. I said it's not the full episode because the full episode does not exist. Um. I pulled those clips off of YouTube um, because the full episode was deleted um, by a former uh, Rabbit and Red uh, show host who 
got a bad taste in his mouth after he left the show. And he went in and he deleted um, a lot of the Sunday shows. We used to do shows on Sunday. I said it in the in the beginning of the show. We used to do shows on Sunday and he went in and he deleted all of those Sunday shows after well, he left the show. thank you, sir. Thank you. Normally I'm not in favor of, uh, you know, erasing history, but in this case, oof. So the one that you got last week in the history episode was the only surviving Sunday show. And like I said, it wasn't even in its completed form. I had to uh, fill it out with um, the little interview segments that I throw in there with Anthony Perkins, Hitchcock, and McGarris. So. Either way, you know, it's, it's nice that you did that. Um, I was having some difficulties last week. Uh, some difficulties? Let's, okay. Well, the ongoing issues with HughesNet as has been chronicled here, um, which, by the way, if you haven't heard, HughesNet is a horrible internet system. Fuck you, HughesNet. Thank you. Um, well, on top of that, uh, the day we were set to record... I just kind of got a little ill and wasn't able to record. And then on top of that, yes, that was happening, but out of my butthole. Exactly. Uh, On top of that, the other days that I could really do, um, we had a a, uh, winter storm roll through. Oh, yeah. And, uh... I lost power at the cabin in the woods for 35 hours. Ooh, and that's why you missed your Metallica dealie. I, ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of pissed about that. Sad but true. Uh, anyone that is a follower of mine, aware of me, knows that I am a huge Metallica fan. They're my favorite band. Uh, big big fan just so what so guys. what you boring little cunt who Love cares song, by the way who cares what you do but uh they recently announced their new tour and uh north up. america was on there they're breaking up what no their new tour oh uh north america was on there i was really excited to get to see them again i got to see them last year and my power was out the day of ticket sales and I did not get any tickets. Okay, so why why haven't you sent Anthrax to HughesNet? Um, because I don't have any Anthrax. Why don't you go get some? <laughs> I'm not sure that's something you can just pick up very or 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 Ryzen. Just just go to a terrorist organization. I'm sure they will give it to you. Just say that you are that you are killing in the name of their god, Allah. Yes. Allah or Yaya or whatever the fuck the name is. So just tweet ISIS and be like, hey, looking to kill some motherfuckers. Is this 71 virgins thing inclusive just to your religion? What's the deal with that? That kind of deal? Basically, that's all you got to do. That's really all you got to do is just fucking tweet those guys? Yeah, fuck it, dude. Oh, okay. And Homeland Security's not going to show up at my cabin in the woods and ass rape me for hours on end? Oh, they won't ass rape you. You know, they'll they'll, they'll take you to dinner first. <laughs> they'll, oh, they'll, they'll wrap it before they put it in. Oh, well, at least there's that. Yeah, they don't want it, you know, to transmit yeah. AIDS. 
Yeah, so before Uncle did, Sam... Though, well, if they did give you AIDS, they'll just put you in a concentration camp until you just die. Oh, oh very nice. They'll give I'm glad you to a know that Uncle shower. Sam cares enough to wrap it before he fucks me. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, out of power for 35 hours. And uh, fortunately, the cabin in the woods comes with a uh, generator... Sadly, though, said generator does the not emergency run generator. Yes, but sadly, said generator does not run the entire cabin. So, yeah. And I also found out that the generator does not run all the pumps for the water, even though it runs the bathrooms. So you had shit in your water. No, I did not have shit in my water. However, I had about three inches of standing water in my basement. Ooh. So, wait a minute. Okay. So, since you have water pumps or some shit, right, does that mean that you have well water or whatever? So, if you yes. lose... Yes. Yeah, so, if you lose your power, you don't have the purifying agent to help that no, water it, get it, clean. It does run that. However, the the way it is set up is any... Water used in the basement Mm -hmm. has to be pumped up and out of the cabin. Well, for whatever reason, whatever fucking genius designed this place, decided not to hook that pump up to the generator. Okay. So they they hooked everything else up. Essential to that, Mm -hmm. except that pump. Okay. Yeah, so I had no idea. So... Was using water and then uh, woke up one morning and suddenly discovered there was uh, about three inches of standing water in the basement. Hmm. That was a lovely morning. I'm sure that it just could not get any better than that. Oh, yeah. It was fucking awesome. Hmm. Wow. So, well, so how did you get the water out? Did you have to get like a wet dry vac and just suck it all up out of there? Yep. That was my morning. And you were like, wow. You were like, I am going to go to Bruce Willis, and that is the sound that I am going to make as I am slurping him up. I am slurping his manhood. You know, at some point, we're really going to have to discuss your obsession with sucking male actors' penises. I really want to say you have some latent homosexuality issues. No, it's not that at all. I like when I... Okay. Here's the thing. I love when 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 girls like suck the guys and they like gag and they like get like like when they like shove it down the throat and it's like like the throat gagger stuff like I love it. Like I just sit there and I watch it and it's not like it doesn't even really turn me on. I laugh at it because the noise like is like like hilarious. Like I remember um Back in That's the, some real like serial killer shit right there. Back, you know well, that, right? Well, back in the, in the days at 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 Jacket, I, I remember there was this one. I, I forget the name of it now, um, but me and Tony were at the store, and I remember um, he got this thing, and I forgot what the fuck it was, and I don't remember if he was there, or I just you know or wait, I don't know if he made me a copy of it because he knew that I was like fascinated by the whole like oral sex thing because I mean I just I just think that it's like amazing wow if like I okay I love it when there's a scene where okay let, 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 let's just let me just paint the picture for you okay 
We don't need this picture painted. Nobody needs this. Where a guy is like... We we get it, Mike. We get it. Or no. The guy is like standing there and the chick is like laying with her head hanging off the bed. And it's like, 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 like turned like upside down. So it's like the blood is probably rushing into her head. And he like just goes up to her and he like angles himself and he's just like, and he like just really like jams it down her fucking throat. Do we really need the sound effects? Okay. So moving past. Hold on a minute. But he just like jams it by her throat and it's like, you know, and then all of a sudden the best part was, like I said, in this one, this one movie that they got in a jacket and that's the best thing is like this guy was like doing it to his chickens like and it's like well and it's like holy shit she's really gagging really fucking gagging and the next thing you know he like pulls it out of her mouth and she fucking puked all over it it was the, the, is wrong it was the best it was the greatest thing i've ever seen in my life i would not be surprised if you strangled kittens as a child i was like holy shit i was like I was like, he actually, like, did her in the mouth so hard that she puked all over his junk. And I was like, God damn, that is the funniest thing ever. Okay. And I so just sat along. there and I watched I watched that maybe, like, three or four times. And it was just because it was like, I was like, all right, all right, all right, we're moving on. We're moving on. All right, so the the wedding is still on. Oh yes, that's that's right. So, so you've agreed to have children, and she's I have moved up to that. maybe, and she has moved up to maybe on me buying a Hellcat. Um, why don't you just buy a Cuda? Uh, because I feel I would be spending more money in the long run. But how? Um, because uh, Cudas are expensive. And then to have a perfectly running functional one is even more expensive. More okay, so wait, but okay, wait. We're talking about um, well, the last time I was really looking, mm-hmm. uh, a good Hemi Cuda. Okay. Is going to run you about sixty thousand dollars. Okay. But wait. I a mean, minute. it looks decent. But if you and get, that's okay. that's the price. And that runs though, right? You said that runs, so you that'll could, run. You could get however, that and you could however, drive it. Okay. The whole point of the car yes. is she gets a vacation and she wants to go to Paradise Island somewhere in the Caribbean. I don't oh, know what it is. Yes. I don't care. I'm willing to do it, whatever. But my vacation is I want to drive. You pay for it, or she pays for it. Uh, it's a it's a partnership, Mike. We pay for it. Well, I would say if she wants the vacation, she should pay for it. And, uh, oh, see, that's, that's why you don't understand marriage. Anyway. I do understand marriage. <laughs> I um, totally get it. Just make my sure vacation, you fuck with the door up. closed. My vacation is, uh, driving Route 66. So driving from here in Pennsylvania to Los Angeles. So what vacation would go first? Would you take the Paradise Island trip or would you drive cross country first? Uh, it would be hers first. Oh, because I need to save up some money to buy the car. The ladies always come first. Get it? Uh, not usually. Well, in my <laughs> in my case, I make sure that it happens. Yeah, right. I do. 
I orally pleasure them first. <laughs> and... All right. And then after that, I fingerly pleasure them. All right, right moving along. That, no I one needs this mental image. <laughs> and after that, I Scott doesn't need to listen to this sick, demented them. shit of this guy that if he wasn't mentally and physically disabled would be a serial killer. Do you really think so? For real? Uh, I don't know, Mike. You're starting to worry me a little bit. Hey, could we ask... Okay, I got a question for Scott that I think is is perfectly legit. Okay, do you think that Leslie Vernon has the same fascination with fellatio and gagging on things that I do? See, this is why you're not allowed to talk to the celebrities. (laughs) All right. But you don't think that's um, a good question, dude. That's heavy hitting. Everybody wants to know that one. No one gives a shit. You don't think so? No. All right. So, uh, have been trying to make it a goal, and I know you've been trying to do your own little goal. And I wanted to touch this real quick of going to the theater more often. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw Black goal. Panther, which I suggest, and uh, just. Today, I saw Death Wish, and I'm going to save any and all opinions on that for our Death Wish special, which should be the next episode. That was your second viewing of Death Wish, was it not? Uh, We will get into all of that, Michael. All of that and more. (laughs) Um, Also, you know, uh, when I'm viewing movies at home, and I'm sure a lot of you are like this, you just kind of lose the importance of it just because you're so used to the environment. You're so familiar with it. And, you know, you get messages on your phone or text messages or whatever, and you just kind of, out of habit, look at it. I disagree. Well, you're special. <laughs> I do. And nobody really likes you. Right. But uh, I've really been trying to make it a habit of... Uh, mm not looking at my phone while watching a movie at home, really trying to make it more of a special experience like at the theater. And um, when I set up my my home theater, I'm going to make sure there's a big sign either on the door or above the doorway saying uh, no phones allowed because that will be a phone-free zone. Why don't you get the thing and then you can play it before the movie like they do in the movie theaters that says silence is golden. Do, 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 or silence your cell phones or get the thing with the M&M's does your theater have the thing with the M&M's that thing with that you know the everyone M&M's has that the, you yeah I love that fucking thing with the M&M's of course you do I'm surprised you've even seen it fucking, I've seen it several times that I've gone to the theater I love that fucking thing that is the best part of the fucking right, movie so anyway what 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 has been Fuck your you little goal that you validating my fucking M&M love um, it's stupid, Mike. It's not, not really, but okay. it's honestly annoying because I've seen it so many fucking times anymore. You expect me to be boom, and he gets fucking hit with the light, and he falls over that little fat little fucking M M&M. and M. No, but I've 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 decided to try and watch more movies, and um, over the past week, I've. Uh, succeeded in that goal quite a bit. I was going to try for one a day, which I did get one a day in for like the last week. Um, That's impressive. I'll I'll be completely honest. That's impressive. Surprisingly. Uh, I watched Gifted with uh, Captain America himself, Chris Evans. Highly enjoyable. Very emotional. I cried like a little baby. 
and it's probably one of the best movies I've ever seen. <laughs> um, okay. I watched The Hitman's Bodyguard with Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson. That's not bad. I enjoyed it. Um, my only issue was that I think they could have trimmed a little here and there and maybe... It was a little long. Shortened it by about 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and then I watched... Um, da, 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 da. I watched uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Man, I'm hearing a lot of talk about that one. That is an incredible film. Let me tell you something. Because when I first heard the title of that movie, I didn't know what it was about. I, I heard the title and I was like, okay. I'm like, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Kind of reminds me of the Englishman that went up the hill but came down the mountain. Or something okay. along that line. Anyway, moving on. And I'm like, it's a little too long for my taste, but... Yeah, what happened to, to short, concise fucking titles? Right. Jesus Christ. Well, well, people refer to it as three billboards. So, but um, that was actually really enjoyable. I think Sam Rockwell, he won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. I think that was well-deserved. Um, it's fucking overdue, man. Yeah. No, he's... He is a, a really, really, really good actor. Um, he's been in a lot of good things. But he was really good in that movie. And uh, Frances McDormand, she won. And she was good in that movie as well. Um, Woody Harrelson was good too. He was nominated. But uh, I can understand why he didn't win. So um, Let's see. What else did I watch? Oh! Then I watched that movie Wonder, and I posted that in the Facebook group that that was such an emotional movie. It really did kick my ass emotionally. Um, I cried so much <laughs> during that movie. I cried. I, I would have to say I lost count at ten times. Oh, uh, Michael. And the movie is an hour and 53 minutes long and I lost count at 10 times of crying <laughs> okay so it was over 10 times that I cried and each time I mean I really cried like cried to the point Did, you, you had to like pause the movie no, 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 sniffling I didn't, I didn't, hysterical I didn't, laughter I, I didn't have time to pause it because it was just fits of, of emotion so I actually had to rewind it and go back and then the thing is sometimes when I would rewind it I would go back a little too far and Let's then the emotions the emotions oh would kick in yet again he's got again. such yes. a fucked up face but he tries so hard I'll tell you, man I'm glad he's got a good personality cause that face oof oh, honestly his personality really wasn't that good um oh then he's got nothing going for him it was a boring little fuck um <laughs> Um, but that made it all the more sadder, you know, or more sad because he really didn't have anything good. And then we ordered from Uber Eats, um, you know, cause that's a, that's a big thing here. And, um, we got from McDonald's at that point too. And, um, what the hell was it? Yeah. So the, the driver comes to the door with the food and, um, you know, of course, I say, hi, how you doing? And she just hands me the bags. 
and she does like a little kind of sign and then she's like ah uh, i'm deaf i'm like okay so then like i close the door and i i look at my mother and i'm like i'm like wow i'm like she was deaf and my mother's like well how do you how do you know she was deaf i said because she started signing to me and she said i'm deaf and she, my mother was ready to start crying and she's like you need a girl like that. She's probably really nice. How old was she? I said, she's probably in her 40s or 50s. Oof. She's like, but she was probably really nice. That's the kind of girl that you need. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, why would I want somebody who is deaf? They can't hear what I'm saying. <sighs> they would never be able and, to experience and, you know, Donald that, delivering that his lines. A joke might have had some payoff to it, Mike. Yeah. If you weren't such an insensitive fuck and making fun of her with your and death. No, but that's how she said really? it. I was not making fun. What Dude, am I supposed to say? You are I, so fucking insensitive. If, if I just said that she said I'm deaf, you're that, you, that doesn't that doesn't that's not I, I, how you I know, heard it. You know, we had the talk off air. Yeah. Of the words that you can't say. I didn't right? say I'm, the I'm adding, word or the I'm, W I'm, word. I'm, yeah, I'm adding to it right now. You cannot make fun of deaf people or other people it's with disabilities. It's death, it's deaf. That's what I said, death. I, no, you said death. You didn't say it's deaf, not death, deaf. So right right now, you're being insensitive, Mike. Stop it. And then, and then you know, I it, didn't say the gonna N hurt word my feelings. or the W word or, or the D word. Um. Um. What the fuck is the D word? Yeah, you're just taking away your entire fucking vocabulary dystopian. now, aren't you? Dystopian. Dystopian. What the fuck does dystopian mean? Jesus you know what Christ. That means? What does that mean? All right. So you brought up a good point, and I want to cover it real quick before we actually go to the break in our interview with Scott Glosserman, which is the whole reason anyone's actually listening to this. Well, you would hope so. Yeah. Right. Um. So you brought up the Oscars, and I want to touch upon that real quick. Oh, that Get Out is not a horror movie, and the Jordan it is a horror did not movie. deserve to win. Yes. Well, it is a horror movie. Um, no, I will not. dispute uh, The Shape of Water. I mean, let's be honest, Shape that's a fantasy. Shape of Water is not a horror film. Shape of A horror film does not have a fucking fish creature fuck people. Well, that actually does sound like a horror film. He fucked people in that movie. They had sexual relations. That that sounds like a horror film. A fish had sexual relations with that woman. What well, does not sound horrific about that, Michael? I don't know. It's a fish fucking. They have gills. That's not. That's not disgusting. It's just a part of the natural cycle of things. Oh Jesus Christ! You have deep, deep seated issues, my friend. Anyway. So moving past everyone's debate of to what is or is not a horror film, let's let's actually just talk about the Oscars here for a second. Because, you know, before I actually stopped to think about it, I, like so many people out there, just kind of assumed the Oscars was a place where we discuss and celebrate the best of cinema. And sadly, that's not the case. Yeah, where the fuck you live in? Uh, I guess that was some of my last optimism left. Wait, you mean to tell me that there's a glimmer of optimism in there? Well, apparently, uh, 
after thinking about the Oscars, uh, some more has died. Because let's let's honestly face the facts of what the Oscars are. It is a bunch of celebrities just circle jerking each other, and they are not fucking celebrating the best of cinema. Come on, let's think about this in all absolute honesty. They are cherry picking films that are getting attention, not because they are amazing films, but because they do things that grab attention. Right. All right. Because they're controversial in some way, shape, or form. And then half the time, they are just fucking praising and giving awards to these motherfuckers to feel good about themselves. Like, it's their fucking charity work. <laughs> Go fuck yourselves. I mean, the Oscars is nothing but a work. Why do people actually watch that? Why do people actually give a fuck? Who fucking cares? Fuck the Oscars. Damn. Yeah. All right, so we've been running a little long here. Drop and the mic, do... for Christ's sake, bitch. There you go. I, I didn't really drop it. This is a an expensive microphone. Uh. Anyway. Um... Hold on a minute. <laughs> that was a piece of shit microphone. That is one that can be dropped. Anyway. No, I, I didn't just drop it. I threw that motherfucker at the floor. So, as I was saying, we're running a little bit long here. Um, we do have an amazing interview coming up with Scott Glosserman, the man behind Behind the Mask, and the hopefully upcoming Before the Mask. So, please stay tuned for that. But, lastly, let's all remember, Rabbit and Red Radio is exclusive to Legion Podcasts. So it is the only place to find, listen, love, share, and embrace Rabbit and Red. Exclusive, you're listening exclusive, to Rabbit exclusive. and Red anywhere else. It has been stolen. Exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. Well, unless it's on like Player FM or some other of the podcast catcher sites that catch the Legion feed. Yeah. That's so, okay. Right. So we, we are very proud members of Legion Podcasts. We have been. We will continue to be until we were kicked off. Yes, and and we're gonna go to all these lands, and there's there's heads exploding. There's so much going on there. You have to go there, and just see what happens and embrace it all, motherfuckers. That's all you gotta do. God, you're a special little boy. All and right. Now we're gonna be there, and we're gonna be fucking gagging and fucking. Throttling all right. shit so, down our throats. <laughs> thank you all for listening. I hope you all enjoy the interview so much. And uh yeah. We'll talk to you next time with our Death Wish special. Hopefully. Or that might end up being the show after that one. We have to see. Well, that depends on our Mr. Quote unquote super producer. Yeah, I, I it's not my fault that I just found out that Michael Winner died. Jesus Christ. He's been dead for five years, and I didn't even realize it until I went to go contact him to come on to the show. Mr. Super Producer, everyone. <laughs> All right. Please enjoy the interview, and uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Thank we'll you so be, much. We'll be right back after a uh, – what the fuck do I call those things? Rabbit and Red Rewind. That's it. Rabbit and Red Rewind. We will be right back after that. Yeah. Stay spooky.
Fuck you. a young Michael J. Except oh, I don't think he's out there uh, directing bad movies and people are throwing Heinz. Catch him <laughs> to make him look like blood. Oh. I second dance for somebody shot him. But, but, um, Why don't you sure put that video up on the Blog Talk homepage? Uh, you know, there will be a video dedicated, and I still definitely want to do a documentary where uh, I go over your work, and uh, I really have some, you know, once again, a computer that doesn't screw up on me every three seconds that could at least be upgradable. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That would be amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm sure somebody wants to sit there for an hour and a half and watch a documentary on um, movies that I made over the course of the last 20 years. Uh, that probably bore a lot of people to sleep. I, I, I don't think that... Exactly, Barack. Barack uh... <laughs> doesn't, yeah. Well, he doesn't, obviously, he doesn't think anything at this point, so that's that's a moot point, pretty much. Well, every time he speaks is a new point. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I, I definitely would think it would be a very interesting documentary. I mean that wholeheartedly. And plus, I think it's uh, time that uh, let's also face the facts. Uh, you have me, a brilliant uh, young director, a brilliant editor who's only been editing for about two months now, and uh, I, I, I make people that been editing for 20 years look like they've been doing it for uh, three minutes compared to yeah. my work. Wow. So, yeah, uh, and I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'm, I'm still very, a little, um, a little uh, kind of maybe um, perturbed, I guess is the word, that the protege has become the teacher. Uh, you know, don't know if I like that too much, but these things happen, so what are you going to do? You are right about that, <laughs> Yep. Yep. I, I am I am turned into that. But the uh you know, I'm going over and because I look at your work and I, the one thing I have to say with your films, uh, uh. you don't really do you do one horror cliche all the time in your Okay, films. what is this? What what do I do that's a horror cliche? The much unneeded Okay. Over the top, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying you do it over the top, but right. anytime you do it, it usually just goes like, "Whoa, way out there." Right. The backstory that still doesn't make any sense. 
And well, the, see, apparently you haven't seen Camp Out Nightmare Six yet because that has a backstory, and that does make sense. Uh, well, maybe one of these days I'll, I'll, I'll I might watch it. Well, you will because we're doing the the first ever Rabbit and Red commentary on that one, so that should be fun. Oh yeah, we, we will be giving out uh, copies to the uh, worst listeners of all time. So all the so they will just get what they're what they're called for. Now, I, I, real quick, before we go into these horror cliches, right. what is the name of the movie where you uh, filmed and it, it was supposed to be part of the scene? Mm-hmm. Uh, you filmed your at the time your neighbor's fiance, who was completely nude. Huh. Wasn't there a scene where you had you actually filmed somebody who's topless? No, we're not. It was all... No. Oh come on! Don't hold uh, back. That was a. Uh, um. Well, that was kind of a. Uh, you know, kind of something that was uh, discussed. For uh, the moment. You Just know, it wasn't supposed to happen. On on some level, you know, um, that, you know. Well, <clears throat> let's uh, well, well, move forward I think what I'm, what I'm trying, that point. What, what, what are your films really for? I mean, if people are going to sit down in that and watch your films, I mean, what are, what are they going to watch them for? You it's know? for jacking off, isn't it? Well, <laughs> I don't think all of them are. You're, you're in... <laughs> I don't know. Oh, boy. Um, I think, could you at least make one of those? That would be something very watchable. Well, you know. Um, I don't know. So, all right. You know, I just I just blew my entire train of thought here because... We got a problem here, man. Yeah, we do. I'd see it 
Hi, I'm uh, Mike Sankovich from Rabbit and Red calling for uh, Scott. Hey, Mike, it's Scott. How Hi, are you? Scott. I'm good. I'm just uh, getting um, John on the line. He actually hosts the show, so he'll be uh, joining us on the interview. So let me get him. Okay, great. Um, let's see. Oh, here we go. Okay. Let's see. He is. All right, I think we have him. All right, John? Yes, sir. Okay. All right, John, we're on the line with Scott right now. Hey, Scott, John, how, are, how you? are you? I'm good, sir. I'm how great. are you? I love your podcast name. Oh, thank you. Fantastic. Did you notice the, the matchbook in Behind the Mask? Uh, I mean, not the matchbook, the, the Rabbit and Red Lounge in Behind the Mask. Did, did you pick up on that? Uh, I must admit... I I did not. I I'm actually ashamed of myself. So they uh, the at the very very beginning in the very opening few seconds, Taylor's doing her her television report and she's reporting from Main Street of Glen Echo and she's standing under a sign for the Rabbit in Red Lounge. So, oh shit! Uh, and in the sequel, um, we actually we actually hold. Uh, auditions for well, I don't want to give away the comic book thing, but there's a whole thing that's done in the Rabbit and Red Lounge. So I thought that was a, a really great podcast name. So good on you. Well, thank you, uh, Scott. I, I first and foremost, I, I really want to thank you for joining us. But uh, I, I have to admit something to you right now. Um, Behind the Mask is one of two movie posters that adorn my living room, and uh, oh, man. I, it, it's it's just awesome. such a pinnacle of a film for me. Well, that's really nice of you to say. I'm I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that over the years people have discovered the film and that it's it. I suppose it it continues to hold up because some of the archetypes of the horror genre and the conventions are, are timeless and universal. And that's, that's what we were really trying to elucidate for people among other things. Well, not only that, but it, it kind of spans genres too, because it connects with fans of not only the horror genre, but uh, 
comedy as well because it is the the horror comedy that it is and you know I, I like that because i can sit down with my fiance and watch it and she can appreciate the comedy of it and i can appreciate it for the horror film that it is i i appreciate that i i think we we really wanted the film to be accessible to lay people and we also wanted the film to be a horror aficionado's favorite as well and so we were hoping that we could we could entertain people on on all those levels and also the film because it was it was looking at deconstructing the the early slasher films of the early 80s that really hadn't gotten overly uh gratuitous the film is palatable for people who aren't necessarily huge horror fans who prefer the the comedy because um because that's the type of horror that was being made um the the anticipatory leap of of michael myers that that kind of thing um and also the context that we were trying to set up that the contextually it was funny just the situations as opposed to um spoofing we were satirizing and I think that also makes the film a little bit more palatable to people who aren't necessarily horror fans. Absolutely. Um, just being a little curious, what was kind of the inspiration behind, well, behind Mask? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the inspiration was the original writer, David Stevies, and he tells this great story um, about, actually, Screen Factory, just not to completely digress, but Screen Factory just released a 10th anniversary collector's edition of the movie. And in one of the new special features is a, a, an extended interview um, with David. And, and in that interview, David describes the inspiration. And just to paraphrase, I think he was at a career midlife or maybe quarter life crisis, hopefully, <laughs> if he lives a long life. Um, where he was, he was thinking, you know, what am I doing, and how, where am I, and how how's it going? And then I think I think a horror film was on in the background while he was having this 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 moment, and he thought, gee, I wonder I wonder if Michael Myers was ever thinking that, like if he was ever thinking, gee, where am I in my career, and how's it going? And, you know, I'm looking over my shoulder at, at the other slashers and how are they doing? And, and then he kind of just got into that meta version. And what's so remarkable about David Stevie as a writer is he wasn't coming at the original iteration of the film with any, um, with any erudition um, in the, in the horror genre he was just going free association, just stream of conscious. What would it be like if I were in the shoes of, of a slasher? And, and so I, my manager at the time knew that I had written my thesis in a conventions of horror class and in college and that I was a sort of a horror snob in a way. And, <laughs> and so when he got this screenplay, he sent it to me for consideration to produce or direct and and then once I read it, I thought, man, I could I could layer into this thing just a, a level of of sophistication when it comes to the conventions and archetypes of horror. 
I could use this as a blueprint just to, 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 to ram it full of Easter eggs and, and pontification and all the things that, that make it rich and um, give, it, give it that credibility as a love note to horror. And so the, the dialogue and the, and the story is David's and, and in that, the, so the conventions and the archetypes and the deconstruction are mine. And together, I think that made a really great partnership. Oh, absolutely. And, and both those things together make it so rewatchable that it's incredible. Well, that's nice of you to say. I, <laughs> I, it's hard for me to rewatch it because all I see are the flaws, of which there are many, many, many. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm, glad, I'm glad that some people like it. I, I think a lot of people like it's also it. Nice I'm... that. Well, it's, that's that's also a very hard thing to quantify, and uh, it's it's interesting. It's you know a lot relative to um, to to what I, I think is really really wonderful to have a hardcore fan base of people who appreciate the film, and uh, it's just really really just so gratifying. Um, at the same time, it's been, as I'm sure you know, very difficult to capitalize the sequel. Um, and the film isn't a huge commercial hit, um, and which is fine. It's, but it's, it's hard to quantify how many people love it or if there's a small number of people who like it, but they're very, very vocal about it. It's neither here nor there, but it is always a question that we try to ask ourselves and try to figure out. Well, that, that's that's actually an excellent point, and uh, you know, it, it was kind of heartbreaking for me as a fan of the film when the Kickstarter kind of fell through for Before the Mask, because I was a backer behind that. Um, I, I had the the little pictures that you guys had on my Facebook page. Uh, you know, I brought Glenn Echoes to its knees and all that. I, so. Memes I, before there were even memes, right? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so, well, you know what's interesting about that? I will say, first of all, that's amazing, and, I, and it's just so great to meet years later people who either were at the premiere at South by or back the Kickstarter project and have been just with me in the film for so long. Um, I will say one of the really remarkable takeaways from that Kickstarter campaign, if you, if you put yourself back in 20, it was 2010, um, we set a goal at the time that was um, more crowdfunding than any film had ever raised. And we, we so at the time, we'd set a goal for 500000 I think there was a documentary, a soccer documentary, um, that had raised a little over $120,000. So we ended at 220000 bucks committed something more or less, maybe a little bit more than that. And, and had we set a bar for 220 and, and actually cashed that money in, we would have been at the time the highest grossing crowdfunded feature or, uh, or nonfiction film up to that point, which, which wow. basically is only to say that that wasn't a lot of money, but it, it shows where we were in the culture, in the zeitgeist. We were so, it was such early days for crowdfunding that, I mean, just with our core supporters, 
we were able to get to 220. If we were to do that, you know, a couple of years later um, or today, let's say, my guess is we would do much better than that. Or I should say a different way. If, 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 the, if crowdfunding was as ubiquitous then as it was today, at the time, my guess is we would have barreled right through the half million dollar mark. Um, but because it was such early days, um, we didn't, but that's okay because we still had effectively set a record. I mean, which is a testament to the fan base. Absolutely. And and since you brought it up, is there any chance of attempting a, a new campaign for Before the Mask? Well, there's always, we're always talking about it. And, um, and and part of part of setting the bar so high the first time was what was I going to do with 220? I couldn't have made the movie I wanted to make, and I had a matching investor at the time, so 220 would have been 440. But even then, um, I really just felt if I was going to take money from the crowd, I wanted to be able to deliver something. I mean, I just ran, I just ran a comic book campaign, raised 20 grand for three three of six issues, and I've just had the hardest time just delivering the comic books on time. I mean, I've had some international orders waiting for weeks for issue number three. I mean, the comics, I think, turned out really great, but um, you get into this whole logistical business of, of, uh, of, of perk fulfillment and distribution and supply chain and web stores. And, um, and so, you know, you're, it's, it's not as though it's not as though raising the film via crowd doesn't come with its own strings attached. So, um, so you want to make sure that when you're raising money, that, that there's going to be enough money to do everything you want to do. And in my case, I didn't think I could make this equal for, for less than a million dollars. I mean, I think I thought I needed a lot more than that. I mean, not that much more, but the cast alone um, it's one thing to do a, an initial film where everybody's at scale and Robert England's getting a ton because you're <laughs> first time out and he's basically doing everyone a favor. Right. Second time around, I mean, I would think any fan would agree that Nathan Basil should probably get paid the same amount as Robert England. And so should Scott Wilson and Taylor. And so if everybody's favored nations and England's setting the bar for, for salary, um, sorry for getting in the weeds there, but the, the bottom line is if I'm crowdfunding, I want to be transparent about everything. And I think that the talent should all be making the same amount of money. But before you know it, you're, you're, uh, you know, you're well past half a million dollars and you haven't even gotten to production yet. So in order to go out there and crowdfund for the sequel, um, I would want to, I would want to set the bar at something realistic I would probably want a, a another type of capital partner, let's say Shutter, or you know somebody else um, who might be willing to put in uh, to match the match the donation or the donations to the crowdfund amount. And so to create that kind of of financial instrument, it's it's not easy, and, and you can't just do it on a whim. And I know it's been several years, so it's not as though we're doing it on a whim, but getting those capital partners attached is difficult. The other thing is, and I'm sure you, your audience is aware that people are now crowdfunding for equity. 
And so something mm-hmm. that we've been exploring isn't just crowdfunding for perks like T-shirts and comic books. It's actually, you know, this is a film that's ultimately done for the fans. Let's, let's have the fans own the film. And then we won't have to fulfill any perks, but we can be writing checks if, uh, if the film's profitable. Um, so that's another avenue that we're exploring as well. Wow, that's actually really interesting. But you, you brought up the comic book, and I did actually want to talk about that because uh, I did, once again, back that campaign and have the first three issues, and I've actually uh, got the email so you've about... you've gotten your third issue, so that's I have. good to know. that's great excellent (laughs) yeah so i do have the the first three issues and uh am actually later today going to pre-order the next three um just kind of curious what was the process Uh, of that well of course i I, like i said i'm i'm a huge fan well i and then then we have to we have to spend some time uh getting some of your feedback without perhaps giving away anything in case in case your your audience hasn't hasn't read it yet, I just want to get some some uh, some feedback because so I'll, I'll give you the, the process of the comic book is one thing. The the question about whether or not if in fact we go raise money for the sequel, whether the sequel should be that which was the original sequel we wrote for this thing, or whether that now lives as a comic book and since it was done so long ago, it sort of had its place the sequel is something entirely new. Um, it's almost as though the, the comic book series bridges where he's been um, over the last 10 years, but, but the sequel is actually the, the next screenplay. So that's, that's something else we're trying to think about and, and think through. Um, but the, the idea for the comic book was pretty straightforward. I had, I had sat on the screenplay for several years at this point not obviously wanting you don't want to show people the the roadmap of the screenplay if you're going to go make the movie um and it's not as though this was based on some underlying novel or material and um but as the years went by i started to get a little self-conscious that some of the jokes and some of the scenes were have a whole um we have a whole, dare I say spoof, but it's a satirization of the MSNBC show To Catch a Predator, which was huge, you know, 10 years ago. But there are probably people who don't even know what that is anymore, and so they wouldn't catch the reference. And uh, we have jokes about don't ask, don't tell, and and legalization of pot. Um, and it's, and like, these are Clinton-era jokes. And uh, and so, the, so it's really dated, and so... Um, in order to um, address the fact that this is dated, the one thing, the one original thing in the comic book series that's not actually in the in the screenplay, because the screenplay was written at the time these jokes were relevant, was the the inside um, to the to the title page is basically a riff off of the Blair Witch Project that suggests that this this footage was found. Um, and since the footage was found, it became kind of a time capsule. But this footage was embargoed for years, and now you're seeing what actually did happen back in 08 or whenever this took place. And that kind of justified for me that we didn't have to update the script and make it current. It could live in 2007, 2008 when it was written. 
So I don't know if you picked up on the, the sort of like the Blair Witchian reference on the inside cover, but that's that's what that was all about. Oh, I, and now I, I absolutely entirely did. forgotten your question. No, no. You, uh, sorry, but uh, yeah, that, I, I that absolutely... was that was the device. That was just the device to justify the fact that this this thing was written ten, you know, not quite ten years ago, and that you know some of this may feel slightly dated. Also, remember this was before Tropic Thunder. This was before Cabin in the Woods. This was, I mean, the the whole framework of the film. Um, and I don't want to get too far into the comic book, which is which is the sequel, um, seemed a lot more original when we wrote it than it does today after another eight years of movies that have gotten super meta and everything is self-referential now and, and with Scream Queens and uh, Final Girl and you know all these films, it, it, it might seem as though what we were saying in the sequel um, it, you know, isn't, isn't necessarily as, as original. And so it was another reason why I wanted to make sure people knew that this is, this, this had its time. This was for a certain place. Um, yeah. And so to get back to your original question, which was why did we do it in the comic book? The, the reason was it had been several years and we hadn't been successful at funding the film. And I was watching a whole decade or more of, this explosion of derivative comic books turning into movies. Uh, I mean, people were contriving comic books even to walk into an executive's office at Screen Gym to say, look, we, here's a comic book and we own the rights to it. And this is basically your lookbook. This is exactly how this film is going to look tonally. This is effectively our shot list. Just read the comic book and you can visualize the movie. Um, it's very compelling to people to executives to financiers to be able to look and read a comic book because they get the script but they also get the lookbook feel of the comic uh to to greenlight a film i thought you know it'd be great to do that because at this point who am i who am i really keeping this from i mean the core audience i want to deliver something to them and um ultimately if this is going to be commercially successful um you know, the core audience has read all the Star Wars books and they've read all the Lord of the Rings and they've read all the Game of Thrones and they still love the show. So why am I being so precious about the screenplay? I'd rather get this out and get people's reaction and, and get this back in the zeitgeist. And, um, and then, of course, if I can fund it, then I can get the comic itself in front of um, the Yes Makers. And, uh, and, and so that, that all happened in this 10th anniversary year where we launched it out of South by Jared Neese invited us back. And, um, and that was really exciting because the, the crowdfunding was successful and we have now delivered, um, the, the three issues that were crowdfunded. The number four is done. And in fact, this is really timely because just yesterday we just announced four and opened a web store and started selling that. And we're pre-selling issues five and six, Nathan Thomas Milliner is amazing is, uh, almost, almost done with the fifth issue. Yeah, I actually wanted to, to ask you how you went about choosing the artist because I've, I've actually been a fan of Nathan's before this and was excited once he was announced because he is such an amazing artist. He is great. And honestly, my, my door into a lot of this world has been through Christy Jett. 
who has uh, been helping us out as a as a fan, as as a professional in in this world um, for a long time. And back when we crowdfunded on Kickstarter, you might recall we had some quote fan art, but also but these were professional artists like Nathan who were effectively donating art so that we had perks and things to sell. And um, and Nathan had done this amazing usual suspects like uh, riff on Leslie Vernon um, with the whole Kobayashi wall behind him. And um, and I thought it was so great. So when we were thinking about doing a comic, thinking about the right artists, I had I had just inquired with Christy whether there's something Nathan might want to do. And we talked about it, and she put me in touch with him again. I think at this point he retired from comic book writing, illustrating, authoring, and uh, and I don't know some something something I must have said got him to say yes, um, but not just yes. I mean he's doing he's doing the script. The I mean he's he's converting the script. He's noveling the script into its um, comic form. He's doing the illustrations, the coloring, the lettering. He's doing every component of the comic book short of printing it. So it's extraordinarily impressive what he's been accomplishing. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I will say, having already read the first three issues, that it is highly enjoyable. Um, I did get the Blair Witch reference in the beginning. And I guess I'm dating myself here, but uh, it didn't feel dated to me, uh, I suppose, because I, I remember and get all of the references. So. Well, let me okay. So let me put that in context. I, I don't know if you if you're you come from the screenwriting world or what whatnot, but if you if you ever uh, writing your stand up bit or your screenplay or your novel, and you write a joke and you're just laughing so hard, snot's coming out of your mouth, and you think it's the funniest thing you ever read. A year later, you're in draft seventeen of the screenplay. And you've read that joke now a thousand and one times, and it's just not funny anymore. And you end up killing it and taking it out of the screenplay because it's not funny to you. It is so, there's just, you have to have this almost magical ability to place yourself at, in this time when you read this joke or thought of this joke for the first time and how funny it was. And you have to remember that feeling, um, and and so for me, I mean, I've just lived with this for so long that I can't help but to think that nothing's funny and everything is dated. And it's it's almost this gift uh, and this curse. Uh, humans are blessed with this ability to forget, and it's and it's what makes us able to wake up the next day. Uh, I mean, it's um, to live through. Tra- I mean, we don't forget tragedies and terrible things, but somehow we're able to move on and those things fade. Um, but when you're trying to entertain or you're an artist and those inspirations fade and you can't remember what it was like the first time, um, you're likely to start doubting yourself. And that's when that's kind of what's happened with this screenplay, which is why I'm so anxious to get fresh eyes on it to get your impression and to get the core fans response to this because it's so dusty you know what i mean well i i, I will uh, without ruining it I, I will give you this much for you and everyone else um the first two issues i received uh in the the same package 
Um, I burned through them very quickly simply because I couldn't put them down. I, I was very entertained. Uh, I liked the introduction of all the old characters and how the story developed and most recently got issue three. And there are two standout moments in it that uh, I absolutely loved. Um, the discussion of the mask, which what it symbolizes and whatnot, and how current Hollywood looks at it. I absolutely loved that discussion. I thought that was perfect. And then also uh, the discussion on the uh, the deadlift and the impracticality of a lot of kills that we see in movies. Both those stood out to me, and I absolutely love them. Okay, oh, that's awesome. That's great. That's I appreciate. And what about the the actual framework of the? It's really hard to talk about this without talking about it. Right, so right. Um, the the actual the actual setup of it. Um, conceit, I'm intrigued. The conceit of the film. Okay, got I'm a hundred percent behind that, and I'm really intrigued to to know where it goes in the next three issues. All right. Okay. Well, that's that's great. That's great to know. But um, and and, and I, I will give you this: you, yeah. you you're, you're pointing out films that that have a similar conceit to it. But when you stop and look at this, this is something that Hollywood does. If it can capitalize on something, it will. And I don't think that it's necessarily out of time because it's something that Hollywood has always done and will continue to do. Let me ask you a question. Yes, sir. So, in the past, it's not unusual. I don't know why it's in the past. It, it is not <laughs> unusual for some company to discover some obscure Icelandic drama or some crazy Chilean horror film and and get the rights to that film and then cast it up, put it with a bigger budget, and make an American version of it. I mean, we saw this with 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 J horror for for many many years. Right. So so what do you think it would be sacrilege? I'm asking this rhetorically and I'm not uh, th- don't read anything into this at all. I'm just curious whether you think that behind the mask is a film that should not be looking to do its sequel but in fact should be looking to do it again but with known actors for three times the budget and a wide release through, you know, screen gyms. Is that, do you, in other words, the reason why I ask is because do you as, as a horror fan and, and someone who, who clearly has affection for Behind the Mask feel it, it's okay that it remains this, this word of mouth, um, back of the video store, um, cult kind of film, um, or are you are you frustrated that it, it didn't have the the big success and and it should be known by more people and therefore simply remade? What would you prefer? Uh, in all honesty, um, I would prefer the sequel uh, simply because I'm not sure films like this appeal to the na- the mass market and. When when we're talking about something like that, I always think of like um, uh, like Donnie Darko, for instance. It, for whatever reason, that is a cult film, but I I don't think that putting bigger actors in it and getting a, a huge release 
would really affect the impact of the film any. I mean, it would it would mm-hmm. bring it to a wider audience, but um, I don't consider it sacrilege. On the other hand, as well to 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 be discussing that at all because that once again that is something very common that Hollywood does. And and all honesty, if that is the best option for the property, I would support that because I, I love the property so much. As long as you know the tone and everything is there, absolutely. I hope I actually answered your question correctly. <laughs> There's no correct or incorrect answer to the question. It's just an interesting, it's an interesting discussion topic, um, and it's it's not as though it hasn't come up before. Right. But, um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's good to know. I really, I really want to have my thumb on the pulse of the of the community because the the community that supports the film is what keeps the dream alive. And, uh, and it's, yeah. And so, yeah, we, we just want to, want to serve the community as best I can. Well, I, I get that. And, and speaking for the community, I, I think one of the things that we love about it so much is that it is something that we can discuss and not everyone gets that, that kind of cult mm-hmm. appeal to it, that, you know, I can meet up with somebody at a convention and either notice a tattoo or a shirt or something and be like, oh, you like behind the mask. And then we can have this conversation because we're both in the know. That's great. That is so great to know. Another great conversation is just over horror comedies in general as a as a subgenre. And one, one of the things that makes them so few and far between is that if you're spending all this money at Paramount or wherever, Universal, your marketing departments, they stay in their lanes. They, I mean, they very much know how to market a horror, and they also know how to market a comedy, and it's very hard for them just to imagine how to grapple with with a hybrid. And, uh, and then, of course, every few years, a horror comedy just goes gangbusters. Whether it was um, uh, the Woody Harrelson film that I, Zombieland, that I, that's a that's a whole other story. We can talk about maybe some other time. But you know, Zombieland's a great example. Uh, Shaun of the Dead and Cabin in the Woods, and um, and so every one of these films keeps defying the the expectations of the of the executives. Um, but they're great. They're great films, and horror comedy is. It's a very solid genre on very solid grounds. And, of course, the crowning achievement is Get Out, which uh, ultimately says has something to say. And, and the very best horror movies um, have social and or political commentary. Whether they know it or not, um, they encapsulate the zeitgeist, um, either explicitly or implicitly. And uh, and so Get Out, which was rewarded with with an Academy Award, it's just so amazing. Um, that's I'm so proud of that film and and of the genre. Therefore, so I think horror comedy is uh, it's it's a genre to be reckoned with, but it is still an incredible challenge to get them made. No, oh, absolutely. I I completely back up your statement as to that there are landmark films out there 
but um, yeah, I, I get the frustration uh, behind trying to get one made because studios seem to shy away from them. But uh, uh, really, yeah, you you put it best that I, I think the most memorable either just horror films or horror comedies do have that social commentary. And I, I think partly well, why people... Satire has such a rich history of social commentary and political commentary. I mean, satire from political cartoons to to whatever, Monty Python. Um, and so when you combine satire with horror, you're... That's, yeah. So winning combination, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think that's partially why Behind the Mask is so beloved by its fans. So the real question is um, that, I, that, I, that I want to be able to very substantively address with the community is when and if the sequel is going to get made. And I, and I think, um, you know, without over-promising, um, the, the getting issues four, five, and six now done for the comic, getting those out, maybe combining them into a graphic novel form and being able to actually show that to executives. Look, here's the roadmap. This is what it is. By the way, these are the economics behind the comic book purchases. Um, this is where the community is. They're still highly, highly engaged. Uh, I think that'll go a long way toward, toward potentially capitalizing a sequel. I do think that... Um, as to go come full circle in our conversation, um, there a lot has happened to the genre in the last several years. That even if the the screenplay doesn't feel entirely dated, just the meta self referential conceit of this world that that Leslie Vernon lives in um, that is that's a little played. And I'm I'm definitely willing to admit that. Um, because I know that when Behind the Mask, when we shot that in 2004, I mean, you could basically point to Tremors and American Wall from London, and then, you know, Slither came out, like, basically that year, and, I mean, I couldn't think of another horror comedy. So, I, I mean, we, we definitely trailblazed, but I think since then, um, the, the marketplace has been saturated with self-referential meta stuff. So, question really is, even if we were to do a sequel should we do this sequel or should we do something entirely different? And that's, that's kind of one of the things we're thinking about. And we're also thinking about the explosion of TV series. And, um, and I'll, I'll tell you this. I mean, I know, I know there is a, a, a show that, that has had a little bit of success with this, but I think they're, Leslie Vernon is in this Marvel universe, but it's a universe of, of horror icons and to 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 set a show in the x-men or marvel universe of uh of of various horror icons would be a very compelling setting for a a world to do a series where leslie vernon is somebody who can who can be a thread who can tie all of those sleepy horror ridden uh towns together in the same universe. So that is also something that we're thinking about. So there's a lot of exciting things for the intellectual property, exciting ways to go. 
but it's it's a it's a long it's a long game. We're playing a long game here. We we did create yesterday um, www.vernonsfarmhouse.com, and that's that's just a web store that we created for the purposes of being able to provide the the comic series to the fans, so you can find it there. So I really appreciate everybody's support. Absolutely, and please, everyone, go there, uh, pick up the comic book. It is fantastic. Set.
<gasps> that was horrible. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 